Hello, everybody. Welcome to 321 No Kidding Podcast. Bobby the Awesome here. Today, I have a guest, Miss Rachel Gray, who is celebrating with us. Like, I'm sorry, I have to share because I'm so excited. Um, we're recording this on 1010. You're probably not going to hear it on 1010, but it is her 10 year anniversary <laughs> of sobriety. Um, and she's going to tell us a little about her story. And honestly, guys, I've exchanged a little bit of text, but I know nothing. So I'm going to be learning with everybody. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you. So I don't know where you want to start or where is your comfort point in your story. So, um, you know, today's a big day. Maybe what led you there? Yeah, absolutely. So 10 years ago, which that's, oh my God, I have like goosebumps. It's so wild. Like I... I didn't even want to be clean. I mean, I didn't want to live. Um, so 10 years ago, I was in active addiction and attempted suicide because I didn't think there was a way out. Um, I didn't want to live. I hated myself. I hated everyone else was completely hopeless and, you know, thought the only solution was killing myself. Um, so I attempted suicide by overdose. And uh, my mom and her boyfriend found me half in the bathtub, half in the shower, and um, they were told I wasn't going to live. Now, it's the second time my mom's been told that in um, her life because I was born a preemie. And when I was born, the doctors at the hospital told her to plan my funeral. So the poor woman, I mean, I can laugh about it now, um, you know, but she's been told twice to plan my funeral. Um, do you want me to give like a little bit of backstory or, sure. well, it was, I was, my first question, I guess, was what was your drug of choice? Cause you said you used drugs for the OD. Uh-huh. Was that what you, what you were into? Like, yeah, take us on the journey. Like yeah. maybe I know I don't have a formal script here, so it's kind <laughs> of funny, so maybe, um, first time using or why you used or what that looked like to take you to yeah. that point. So I started using, I mean, I dibbled and dabbled when I was maybe like 17, um, but my addiction really took off when I was 20 or 21. Um, I found my love, which was opiates, but I mean, I, I did anything. It didn't matter, you know, what was in front of me. Like I hated alcohol, but you know, there were periods in my life that I tried to prove that I wasn't a drug addict and started drinking and like, I hated every moment of it. I hated the taste. I hated how I felt, but like, I felt better than like, you know, what I was feeling inside. So even though I hated it, I hated myself more. So, you know, I couldn't be alone with my own thoughts. I was so insecure and and just felt completely alone. So, I mean, that's how bad addiction is, is that you'll take a drug that you don't even like how it makes you feel just because it's better than the way you feel. Um. (laughs) My 18, you just reminded me, my 18 year old niece, keeps trying to explain to me, it's like the world isn't real. And when you're talking, that's kind of what you're reminding me of her trying to explain to me that I totally did not grasp. Um, But that's what you just reminded me of. Because to do something that you don't even like doing to avoid the feelings and thoughts, that's the way I interpret what she's, she's saying. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, 100%. It really does. Because I mean, I lived it. So, Um, you know, I started using quote unquote later on in life, especially compared to, you know, kids now. Um, A lot of my family, drug addicts, I grew up all around it, but I was in such denial because my idea of a drug addict was the homeless person on the street. 
you know, I didn't think my dad was a drug addict because he had a lot of money and, and my parents had money growing up. So, you know, he was functioning or well, kind of. Um, so I, so I, like I say all this because I didn't think I had a problem. Um, when I was 17, I kind of wigged out on ecstasy and my mom, um, was out of town, found out, <clears throat> was not happy. And she made me go to an NA meeting, but everyone there was doing heroin or meth or just all these things and using needles. And like, I wasn't like you, you know, I, I, you know, and that's what kept me out of the rooms for so, so long is because like pills are my drug of choice. You know, I've shot up twice, maybe, you know, and I've never done a lot of drugs. I've never prostituted. Like I've never pawned anything. I've never been homeless. So, and like, that's the problem is that like, I was killing myself inside because like, I didn't want to admit that like, I was the same as you because like I did things differently. Thank you for sharing. You, you brought up some really good points that, it's not what we think it looks like. Um, even talking about your family with having money, you know, drugs aren't just for the poor people or people mm-hmm. without. Um, and then can we dive into your experience in the rooms a little bit? Because mm-hmm. I find it really interesting. I've never been to an NA meeting. Uh, I've been like around mm-hmm. and I, I've never been to an actual formal AA meeting, but I've been to AA events. So I have gamblers and anonymous that I've immersed myself in. But one of the problems that I see is that in gambling, it's a lot of, um, we'll call them late to middle age men. Um, So when a woman walks in a room, um, it's not very diverse. And Mm -hmm. we see a lot of women that don't come back after the first one, or I hear a lot of women share their stories about that not fitting in because the room doesn't look like them in a lot, you know, in a lot of cases, it's definitely yeah. getting better, but it sounds like that was your experience. Was, was it not relatable, not only with the drugs, but the people you were in the room with? A hundred percent. And I mean, that's why, I mean, well, who knows if I really would have even considered myself a drug addict at that point, got help, but I just remember feeling so different. And then um, fast forward to my story. So I'll just say one part of it. So, uh, after I overdosed, I was really angry that I didn't live. Um, my mom said treatment or you're going to be homeless. So, and again, I've never been homeless. So I decided to go to treatment and like, even in treatment, I felt so different because all these kids had been in and out and relapsed and all this. And, um, part of my story, I have one white key tag and 10 years clean. So, you know, like here listening to all the things that they did, you know, it still took me two weeks in treatment to admit I was an addict. And then I would go to outside meetings and I remember going to AA and, you know, I'm not religious and they're talking about Jesus and all this stuff. And I'm just like, Oh, like, I, I don't believe all that stuff that you're saying. So like even more, you know, like I'm different, I'm different, I'm different. And, you know, people are dying because they don't feel that connection. But I mean, thankfully I've been able to find like, my group of friends and, you know, my crowd and like my family within NA that like, I'm, I'm not different. You know, we all struggle uh, with, you know, mental health issues and some type of substance and or combination of substances, whether it's drugs, whether it's gambling, whether it's sex, whether it's eating, like all of it, you know, it doesn't matter. All it is, is we're just taking something from the outside to try to make us feel good inside because we don't know how to cope with life on life's terms. 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Can we go backwards a second just for, because there's going to be audience that might not catch what you said about the, the white, what did you, the white ketone? Yeah. So um, in 12-step fellowships, um, people that have between zero and 30 days pick up either a white chip or a white key tag. Um, that's the sign, universal sign of surrender. Um, when you walk into a meeting, you know, that's what you pick up. And that's the only one that's free. Uh, the rest of them are earned. So, you know, you earn 30 days, you earn 60 days, you earn 90 days. And each fellowship is different. Um, so today I'm picking up a, a 10 year uh, key tag, which I believe there's one that says decade, but I'm not really that sure. But I really I feel like I've seen that somewhere. So, yeah, they're just uh, key tags to designate lengths of clean time. So let's say, God forbid, um, I went into the rooms, I picked up a white key tag and let's say I picked up the next one for 30 days and then I relapsed. God forbid, I would have to pick up another white key tag and say I surrender again. Thank so you. what that means is I've never relapsed. I've, you know, I've given it one shot. And I've been clean for 10 years, um, nights, holidays, weekends, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> so how long were you in treatment for? Um, I believe 45 days of inpatient and a couple of months of outpatient. And I stayed in a halfway house sober living till I had a year clean. Wow. That's a long time. That's a big investment in yourself. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have, I, I say I didn't have a choice. Um, my mom didn't give me a choice. I mean, truthfully, like I'm resourceful. I could have figured it out on my own, but I think just like she put the fear of God in me. Like, I know I'm not like religious, but like the fear of God. from my mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, good. It sounds like she did the right thing. Cause here you are celebrating 10 years. Yeah. And what if she let you, what if she, didn't know how to handle you or what if she appeased you or, or, or gave in or didn't, you Mm -hmm. know, like create boundaries, Mm -hmm. you know, how does the story unfold? You know, we won't know, but there's a lot of people out there listening that won't put their foot down or won't Mm -hmm. take that out of, you know, the fear and they love their kids and they want to do the right thing. So I'm very proud of your mom too. Good for her. Thank you. It's funny because I was actually talking to somebody today And, um, she was telling me like about the boundaries she set for her son. And I told her the same thing. I'm like, I am proud of you because like, if my mom continued to enable me and didn't change, I would probably be dead. You know, the only reason I changed is because she changed and I couldn't manipulate her anymore. I did. I did for a very long time, you know, and I would say I would change and I would say this and say that and like knew I wasn't going to change, but like I told her what she wanted to hear to get her to stop talking and stop yelling and all that. So it, and, and, you know, it's definitely a disease that affects the whole family, you know, and, and everyone has to change. It's not just the addict. Like that's the unfortunate part, but like the good thing is that like there is help and there's a solution to it. You know, like my mom should not have had to change everything because I'm an addict, but I mean, that's, that's the reality of it you know, that unless she was going to change how she dealt with me, chances of me changing are are pretty low. Do you feel, do you feel like the, the whole family, maybe you and your mom individually are almost like better for it? Do you think that you have access to tools and thinking that you wouldn't have if you didn't go on the journey? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think about it now and 
you know, I think of things in ways that like I used to cope um, and, and just even like the growth of myself in recovery. Let's not even talk about like my complete lack of any type of coping skills and active addiction. But like I think of the last 10 years and, um, you know, I've gone through a lot of losses and traumas and lost three of my dogs very close together. And two of them were extremely traumatic. Um, then I lost a boyfriend um, to a heroin overdose. And like, I think about like how I coped with that, you know, and just the three losses and then my boyfriend, like I literally wanted to kill myself in recovery. And, you know, I thought about it. And if one of my friends hadn't stayed the night, even though I tried to push her away, like if she hadn't stayed the night, I was going to kill myself in recovery. And like the reason I bring all that up is because fast forward. So one of my good friends, um, a couple months back, he, um, died of a heroin overdose. And instead of like getting really depressed, like I usually do. And instead of like acting out, um, so my mom makes dog bandanas, um, you know, and dog apparel and all that. So I was like, mom, I was like, do you think you can make like a positive, like your life matters with like positive drug slogans on it for the dogs to like memorize, you know, to like, uh, in memory of my friend and like my boyfriend and, and everyone else. And so it was just something in a, in a positive way for me to like channel that pain and that frustration and just, you know, regret just a whole bunch of negative feelings. So like in that moment, I saw like the complete growth in myself. And I mean, it's not always going to happen when you go through trauma, but you know, I was able to see like, wow, like, like I'm not acting out and I'm not doing all this stuff and I'm not angry and depressed. Like, of course I was hurt and I was angry and stuff, but because I was able to channel it in such a positive way, you know, and then just hear people, you know, and people would like reach out to me and be like, I didn't know you were in recovery, just all this stuff. And like, you're an inspiration. Like, so like, I couldn't focus on, on like the negative sad part. It was like, okay, there's some hope here. And like, you know, part of his legacy hopefully will be like, you know, sharing some hope that, you know, you don't have to die to the disease of addiction. I love that. I love that idea. I love the self-awareness that you knew that that's what you were doing and to put it into something. Does your mom still make them? Like, is that a thing? So she's completely sold out. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she could get more fabric. Actually, it's really cute. So, okay. So we still have, she made um, a necktie for Lincoln, who's my dog right there. I was seeing if I had it because I'm bringing it with me tonight to get my medallion. And Olivia has one, my other dog. Um, I mean, she could probably get more fabric if people wanted it, um, you know, and make them, but it's really cool. Yeah. I, I love that. And I haven't, I haven't heard it before as like a recovery strategy. So that makes it more beautiful. And I love dogs. And if I wasn't so mobile, I would have, I would have at least two, I have them picked out and I have their names and I have it all, um, figured out, but, um, in yeah, my I love it. Yeah. In my dream business, there's a whole dog facet to it. So I would love to sell, sell them in my, you know, someday recovery playgrounds because they're brilliant. That's just Thank such a great idea. Yeah. So. I just really thought, you know, like what better way to like channel. I, it was, I don't know, like exact, I don't know. I was just thinking of things like, um, I mean, well, part of like the whole business with her, like it's, so the business is all tails wag. And like, part of the thing is, 
you know, like sharing positive messages and stuff. Like my mom was struggling through something. So like I funded the business and like now she's like getting a bunch of self-esteem and self-worth and like all that type of thing. So, and it's cool, but hopefully you can get a dog soon. Yeah. Well, luckily I just moved somewhere and right out my window is the dog park inside the facility. (laughs) So hopefully like the dog owners don't think I'm like a creeper, you know, like the sex offender outside of school. I kind of feel like that a little because I'm like, is it okay if I like visit with your dog? Um, so far they've been all really nice and they have so many amazing ones. I want a Frenchie and they have a Frenchie so that just does lap. Um, and I also need a big one. But anyway, I totally digress. <laughs> you said something and I was wondering this. This was the one question I wanted to ask. Well, I had two, Um, you know, one, how you made the 10 years, which we'll circle back to, but the other is why are you okay with people knowing, like you said that people found out through the bandanas, but it's 12 step. It's supposed to be secret. It's supposed to be anonymous. Like, why aren't you living your life that way? So it's funny you say that. So when I had overdosed, my mom posted all over social media um, and she like, she didn't care. She was like, you know what, if I can help one person, you know, and if I can save someone else's life or make someone aware, she's like, I don't care if people judge me and I don't care what they think about me. And I don't know. I've just never, I've never been that type of person. Like, okay, I am like, very introverted except when it comes to dogs but like I really I don't care it's all over my Facebook I mean it probably helps now that I work in treatment that like I don't have that fear of like oh my gosh my my boss can't know like my boss knows that I'm in recovery you know <laughs> so me I, I'm sure that's helped it but you know it's funny you mentioned that because I was at, at the gas station so on my arm um I have a tattoo that has a clock and it's set to 10 10 my clean date and then the NA symbol is there. And this was like a couple years back. I'm at the gas station. The guy's like, what's the clock set to? And I was like, oh, it's personal. I was like, no, you know what? I'm like, that's the day I stopped using drugs. And he was like, oh, cool. And like, you know, and I'm like, why am I ashamed of this? Like, I'm not that person anymore. And if I can help somebody by like being honest about it, like even this morning at the gym, we have this new coach and Omar, you know, Omar, he was like telling me congratulations and whatever. And the new coach didn't know before today I was in recovery. And like, I just told him, I'm like, he's saying congratulations because I have 10 years clean and I'm in recovery. And you know what? Like, if somebody is going to judge me because I, you know, was an active addiction and I'm a recovering addict and I've changed my life, then they can go F themselves. Cause like, I seriously, like if that's what you're going to judge me for, for my past, then I don't need you in my life. I mean, I've never had a bad reaction from anybody that you told. Um, I don't know. I mean, if so, like it wasn't anything significant for me to even remember. Um, I mean, thankfully through the 10 years, like I've built, you know, enough self-esteem, like, I mean, sir, don't, don't get me wrong. Things bother me, but like for somebody to think differently of me because I've, I like of my past, like I could understand. Okay. If I was that person in active addiction and like, you didn't like me or you thought differently of me, like that makes sense. But like to think of me, you know, any differently because I fought the biggest battle that like in like, I mean, it's freaking hard. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. And like, I've overcame that to completely change my life. Then, 
you're extremely close-minded and and the sad part about it too is those people that are so judgy like I guarantee you someone close to them whether it's their child or family member or something is struggling with some type of addiction or, or some type of mental health issue and like it's going to keep struggling because they can't even talk to that person about it and like that's the sad thing I agree a hundred percent and I believe you know maybe not um you know, raising a flag or, or being yeah. with a microphone, Hey, I'm in recovery. But, um, I really think it's part of recovery is being yeah. able to, and I've never had a bad experience from anybody. Like I have one of my shirts is I'm grateful on the front and one day at a time on the back. So yeah. people who know the one day at a time will usually tell me their clean time. And it's yeah. really pretty cool. Um, it's kind of a way to let everybody know we have each other's back. So that's what I was yeah. curious of your experience. So yeah, you, you have 10 years clean. You're all better now, right? Like, why do you have to go to a meeting tonight? <laughs> I have to go to a meeting tonight um, because my mom would be very upset with me if she couldn't give me a medallion. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, she really would be. But no, I mean, I have to go tonight to show the newcomer it works. You know, like, it, and it's so crazy. You know, like my sponsor is really, I wouldn't say she's hard on me. Like, I mean, I chose her to be my sponsor to call me out when like, I'm not doing things. I'm, you know, not, you know, when I'm not doing things I'm supposed to be doing. And like one of those things is going to meetings because I'm not the best at it. And she always reminds me, she's like, you need to go because like, you have no idea, like something you can say can like change somebody's life forever, make a difference of like, whether they're going to go out that night and use or hurt themselves. And I'm like, not that powerful, but like the truth is like you, you genuinely do not know, you know, I think about it. I spoke at a meeting last week and then I went to another meeting, um, last week where my really good friend, one of my best friends picked up a a medallion and I just listened, you know, to different things in the meeting. And I shared and like, so many people were able to relate and so many people like were able to get things out. And, and I truly believe because of like, things that I spoke about, like it made people more comfortable to share about certain things or, or at least like made them think about certain things and and needed to get that out. And then I think about, um, the meeting, uh, where my friend picked up a medallion, her boyfriend just died of an overdose. Mm -hmm. And like the reason I was at that meeting, not just to support my best friend, you know, like I was there because like, I was that girl. You know, I was that girl very short while ago. And like to to her, I'm living proof that like you can make it through it clean. And I'm living proof that like you don't have to use or you don't have to hurt yourself. And like it sucks and it hurts so bad. It really does. And, you know, I mean, it still makes me not really want to get close to people. And, you know, and certain other things that I have to work, you know, through, Um just because I put down the drugs, like I'm nowhere near perfect. I still have issues a lot. Um, But like, I think about something like that, you know, like what if I wasn't at that meeting or, you know, like when my dog passed away tragically, um, I, I didn't know where to go. I was crawling in my skin. I I had left the vet um, and I didn't know what to do. And like, I was just on autopilot and I made it to a meeting And like, I remember going there and feeling completely broken and bawling and and all this stuff. And someone there, like they didn't have the same exact experience, but like they gave me enough hope that day for me not to use and not to hurt myself. 
So, you know, it's one addict helping another and, you know, who best to understand the crazy thoughts in my head than like another <laughs> crazy. Like, <laughs> So what would you say, Rachel, to someone who goes in the rooms and has that experience like you did early on where they can't necessarily see the similarities because all the differences just jump right out on the surface. Like how would, how would you help someone get past that? Or what would you say to someone who goes in a meeting and kind of feels that way? So, I mean, there are a lot of options, especially now, like one of the good things about COVID is that there are plenty of online meetings all over the place. So there's no excuse for not finding a different meeting. You know, that's one option Um, because before, like, I mean, I live in Fort Lauderdale. So, I mean, there were meetings everywhere and every hour and all that, but I I do understand smaller towns don't. Um, But with the internet, you know, there are 24 hour rooms and there are so many, I mean, that's one option. And then the other thing my sponsor said is, is she was like, relate to them. You know, like, even if they say a word, like, let's just say they say crack, and I've never used crack, like, it's not about the crack, you know, find what's similar to it. Um, But I I think, you know, trying other meetings is it and then you, you know, you've got to also think about like, what mindset are you in when you're going in there? You know, are you in that negative mindset where you're like, I hate being here, you know, I'm not gonna get anything out of this meeting, because you're not. You know, if you walk in there completely closed off, like, I mean, yes, there's a chance, you know, but like if you walk in there and you pray before you go in there, just have like a positive outlook or like, you know, you put good things into the, into like the world, like, Hey, you know, it's going to be a good meeting. Chances are, it's going to be a good meeting, even if it's the same exact meeting, but like, you know, depending on that mood that you go in there with. Um, You said pray. I thought we weren't into all that. Jesus. Yeah. So my higher power, it's funny. Um, when I first got clean, someone, cause I struggled with it. So I, I, it was really bad. Someone was like, God spelled backwards is dog. And like, it clicked. That's like all <laughs> I needed to hear. I was like, okay. I'm like, but it, it doesn't have to be, you know, a man in a robe. Like somebody also said something that was really, really cool and resonated years later. So like they explained to me, like, if you go to the beach, you know, and, and, um, you're looking like at the bars and the restaurants and all the commotion and the traffic and everything. And then you turn around and you're looking at the the beach and the waves and you see the seagulls, like that's God, you know, like that peace and that serenity and that type of feeling. So like, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, anything. It really doesn't. I mean, you know, people say like all crazy type of, of suggestions with it. It just has to be like something kind, loving, greater than yourself, you know, and forgiving and, and a lot of traits. But my my God is one million percent, not some man in a robe. <laughs> <laughs> I love your perspective on everything because we don't think the same per se, um, but your perspective is similar to mine and the way you're delivering it is just beautiful. So I have to acknowledge that um, because I could see it being very relatable to people that maybe I can't reach in my lingo, or I, I think our beliefs are kind of aligned, but you really have a nice way of sharing um, the parts that I think are are very important in recovery and in quality of life. Thank so, you. so other than meetings, what other kind of stuff, like you just described, you know, saying a prayer or getting in that mindset before you go into a meeting. 
Now, I never had that mindset. I didn't know anything about that. I had no spiritual beliefs. I had no mindset, self-aware, none of that before recovery. So what, any thoughts on how, how to share or other avenues, maybe even other than 12 step that, that folks can use to kind of find their hope or get their bearings? Like, have you seen or experienced anything like that? Um, I've always done a 12 step fellowship. Like it was just something, um, that was like the way that I knew. Um, I know people do like smart recovery or they do other types of things, but I mean, all it is, is, well, first you have to stay clean. Um, cause if you don't stay clean, then nothing else matters. And then just work on being a better person. You know what I do like about the 12 step program and like, I really didn't like it when I first came in, but like, what I like is like, it gives you, it's easy and like gives you, um, you know, spiritual principles to follow and things and ways like that you can work on yourself and improve, you know, the person that you are. But I mean, I know that there are other ways, but I think of like, I don't want to like call them out, but like, I know people that like have gotten, have stopped using drugs, but never worked on themselves. So they're so miserable. They just don't have drugs. So like, I didn't get clean to be miserable. <laughs> oh, that should be on one of the bandanas or a bumper sticker. I didn't get clean to be miserable. I love I'll let my mom know. <laughs> well, I was, I was driving home from Florida. Actually, if I knew you were in Fort Lauderdale, I would have said hi when I was in Miami. Um, oh. But it, what I, what came to me was be alive to live. Mm-hmm. Like what else is the point you could be using you're not living or you could be not using and not figuring out how to live which isn't living so it it just all I don't know I just had my own little light bulbs about that this week so I have it written down I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet but I'm like that just makes so much sense be alive to live don't don't neglect yourself don't wait to the once a year to go on vacation don't eat garbage food to feel like crap you know like all the things I just feel like if 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 we're going to be here, don't work a job that drains us. Don't, don't do the things that end up leading us back to addiction too. Like yeah. it goes both ways. I think I don't for sure. being a little random here, but um, that's what you just reminded me of. Um, so you said you work in treatment now? Yes. Okay. So what does that look like? And does that help you in your recovery? You think? Um, yes and no. Um, I mean, it keeps it fresh for me, but something that like I was told, you know, years ago was, uh, working in treatment is not a substitution for your own recovery. I mean, the, the, the good part about it is like, I hear people and, you know, I hear the, the desperation and I, I hear the pain and all that. So it keeps it fresh for me, not wanting to go back to it. Um, but it's not enough for me because just hearing that if, if I don't work on my issues, if I don't work on anything, like that's not going to keep me clean, just hearing it. Cause soon it'll sound good, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll justify it and I'll be like, well, it's not that bad. Or like, oh, that's because of this or, oh, cause he's using that. Like I'll find a million reasons, you know? So like, I really have to be okay inside and, and you know, work on my own mental health issues and, um, you know, work on my anxiety, work on my depression, you know, all those type of things. Um, you know, it's crazy 
like recently I was having like really, really, really bad anxiety. And it, this was going on for like a week. And like, I was on the verge of multiple panic attacks. Like, thankfully I didn't have them and I've been able to work on it, but like, it just got so uncomfortable. And like for a split moment, my head was like, you need an escape. Like, and, and like my first thought went to like something negative and, and it was like so brief and it, it was like, Oh, maybe you could smoke or drink or just freaking off yourself. Like it literally, and it was so quick, but like, I had to like grab myself and like, remember like, wait, you have better coping skills than all of that stuff. So like the point of bringing like all that up is unless like I truly work on my own demons and unless like I work on the reasons that brought me into the room and, and living life on life's terms and, and those are good and bad, you know, cause when I first got clean, like I didn't know how to be happy. Like it was very uncomfortable for me to smile or enjoy myself. So it's not just like the negative feelings. Like I, you know, still when people compliment me, you know, like I still get a little uncomfortable. So, but you know, working in treatment or, or doing any of that stuff, like is not enough. You know, you truly have to get to the core of, you know, why you started using and like that goes with your slogan, you know, cause like, what's the point of, you know, getting clean if I'm just going to be as miserable and I'm not enjoying life and, and I'm just living to die. I mean, just counting. Yeah. I don't know. Like my dad, um, I mentioned like he passed away. I maybe I said he passed away in active addiction. And I remember like this was years ago and he was just burning all these DVDs and I'm like, why are you making so many DVDs? I'm like, you're not even going to like be able to like, it was hundreds or thousands. Like it was some crazy number. And he was like, cause I'm just passing the time until I die. And like, mm. I don't want to be that person. Like, I don't want to just be passing time until I die, you know? And, and like, I truly want to live and enjoy life. Oh, I love that. God, that's a vivid picture and a scary, oh, <laughs> that's scary. So Miss Rachel, is there anything that you want to share that we didn't go in the direction one way or another? I'm sorry. I was so intrigued by different parts of your story. I just kind of went where I wanted to go. No, that's it. I mean, I'm just proof. Like if I could do it, anyone else can, like, I'm not different. I'm not better. I'm not worse. I'm not anything. You know, you just do it a day at a time, sometimes an hour at a time, sometimes a minute at a time. And like, as long as you just don't pick up, like things will get better. Um, you know, last thing I wanted to say, and this has stuck with me throughout the years is, you know, just because like, so if you use your problems, don't go away. You have your problems plus more problems because you've used, um, at least if you stay clean, like you can work on those initial problems. So thank you so much for having me in 10 years. <laughs> thank I you. know. I'm so excited for you. That is going to be amazing. I hope you have a great celebration tonight. You definitely deserve it. And like I said, we're honored that you spent your anniversary with us. Um, that's a big deal. And you had some great perspective to share with everyone. So I thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs>